case we haven't met, I'm Lee. I'm the lead pastor here at Mercy Vineyard Church. And let's go ahead and put our mission statement up and say it together. We are living a passionate mission to love, grow, and go for the greater glory of God. So in case you're wondering, we are still on mission. We're still on, that hasn't changed. Election season doesn't change that. Pandemics don't change that. Crummy debates don't change that. Uh, we are still on mission. And so this morning, uh, what we're doing is we are starting a, a new series called The Way of Wisdom. Where we're going to talk for the next three weeks about just growing, just gr- walking in greater wisdom. Greater wisdom as followers of Jesus. Why is wisdom so important. Why do we talk about wisdom? What's the big deal about wisdom? Well, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 15 and 16 says, wisdom is more precious than rubies. And then it says, nothing you desire can compare with her. So what compares with wisdom? Nothing. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Nothing compares with wisdom. She offers you long life in her right hand and riches and honor in her left. Wisdom is so important. And really, like next to our pursuit of God, there should not be a greater pursuit in our life than wisdom. So we're pursuing God, we're pursuing wisdom. And so scripture paints this picture of wisdom as a priceless thing that wants to be found, that wants to be found. And so it's not elusive. It's crying out, why are you ignoring me? In fact, many people ignore wisdom when wisdom is trying to be found. How long will you prefer foolishness? And so wisdom is saying, I want to impart my thoughts and my ways to you so that you'll find joy and understanding and guidance and honor. These are things that wisdom brings us that God wants to give us. And so it's interesting that with wisdom really being readily available. Wisdom is readily available, but there are so few people that are really wise. It's it's interesting in that way. Uh, I I don't know if you've noticed that. There are knowledgeable people. There are people who really know scripture or really know facts or really know information. They have lots of information. We live in the information age. We we, uh, consume more information in a day today that then people consumed in their lifetime 100 years ago. And 100 years ago wasn't that long ago, okay? And so we have lots of information. We have people who sound really intelligent, but we have very few really wise people. Because if we had more wise people, we'd have what? More riches and honor, right? We'd have more understanding, but we don't. We don't. And so, to make matters worse, it seems like the people with very little wisdom, right? I don't know if you've noticed this, but people with very little wisdom are the ones that are constantly dishing out, like, the homespun wisdom. Like, uh, it's so funny, my friends and I say, you know, people think they have the answers to all the world's problems, but can't even run their own lives, right? And you probably know people just like that. And so, they've got lots of advice Lots of pithy sayings. And uh, I reached out online and I asked people what kind of worldly wisdom they've gotten over the years. Like bad wisdom. I said, what's some, of the, some bad wisdom you've gotten over the years? And I couldn't believe like, how quickly the comments lit up. Like, uh, and so, but some of them were like this. One person said, 
that the wisdom they got were just kiss and make up. Just kiss and make up. Like, like, remember, we had that when we were kids. I remember as a child being told, hey, kiss and make up. Just kiss and make up. And the problem with that sort of like that wisdom is that it sounds really biblical, doesn't it? Because God wants restoration. God wants us, you know, us to restore. God wants us to have great, uh, you know, great relationships. But what happens with just kiss and make up is it skips over the actually working things out. Right? It skips over the talking it out, discussing, reasoning together, and it just says, hey, kiss and make up, just bury what happened and just move on. Well, the problem with, with that is that the next time there's a conflict, it, it is a thousand times more intense because the last things were never dealt with. All you did was just kiss and make up and you moved on. And so that's, that was one person that said that was bad advice that they'd gotten. Um, another person said, if it comes down between you and someone else, remember, it's you first. It's, it's you first, you know. And that's a, a self-preservation uh, attitude. And, you know, self-preservation is a natural reaction, but Jesus calls us to see others as better than ourselves. Jesus calls us. Scripture tells us to see others as better than ourselves. Uh, another bad wisdom that somebody got was God only gives you as much as you can handle. God only gives you as much as you can Wow, got raspberries for that one. Yeah, God only gives you as much as you can handle. And that's sort of like a, a, that's like a saying that people give you to comfort you, right? You're going through a trial. You're going through something. You know, you got a bad diagnosis. Something, tr some, something traumatic has happened. And say, hey, God only gives you as much as you can handle. And that is just horrible advice. Especially when someone's going through hell. And, and somebody says, God only gives you as much as you can handle. Like, well, then God sucks. <laughs> then God doesn't know me because I can't handle this, you know. So people say stuff like this, you know. They're, they're, they can't find hope for tomorrow. God only gives you as much as you can handle. Okay, well, thank you. You're not going through anything right now. That's really easy for you to say. <laughs> right? Or some people, they give financial advice and they just say, hey, listen, just, just accept that debt is part of life. That was another bad advice that somebody gave, is, hey, just accept death is, or, or debt, debt, debt is part of life. Did I just say death is part of life? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> debt is part of life. People say financial advice. Debt is part of life. And, uh, and so that, basically, that leads people into really bad snowballing debt, you know, to just accept that debt is part of life. And for those of you who are not in debt, you know that's not true. Because living debt-free is so much better. And you can live without debt. You can. You don't have to have credit card debt. You do not have to have debt. And uh, I, I remember there was a time when Wendy and I were much younger, and we used to say things like, yeah, but we need to invest in our marriage. Right? And so we would use the credit card to go out on a date. That's just stupid. <laughs> like, like, you can't get creative and go on a picnic instead. Like, that's not investing in your marriage. You have to go away for the weekend, or you have to go out. And so that's just bad. Because let me tell you, if you're investing in your marriage with credit card debt early on, you're going to put a whole lot of stress on your marriage later on. Okay? And so uh, debt is not just part of life or a way of life. Okay? Um, or here's another one. This one, this one, you've probably heard this one. Maybe you've said this one to your kids when they were bugging you. 
But the Lord helps those who help themselves. The Lord helps those who help themselves. And like that's some, supposed to be some sort of wise saying. Listen, let me lay some wisdom on you. The Lord helps those who help themselves. No. Okay? Because scripture tells us that God designed us to live in community. We are, we are made, we're literally made in design to live in community. To, to, to give and to receive help one in another, you know. And so uh, that's just wrong. And so people, with people kind of dispensing these gems, you know, it's no wonder that wisdom can seem so rare. Because we sort of grow, grow up and these become part of our operation system, our operating system, these little gems. In my own childhood, I was told a lot of platitudes. I was given a lot of fool's wisdom. And so much so that when I became an adult, I had to unlearn a lot of these things. I had to unlearn a lot of them just to succeed at work, just to succeed in healthy relationships. I had to unlearn all of those pithy sayings. And so, I, I, you know, I, I had to learn to, to talk through disagreements because what I had grown up, the, the, the wisdom that I had learned growing up was if there's a blowout, if there's a, if there's a misunderstanding, if somebody, you know, if there's tension, you just wait a few days, right? You just kind of wait a few days and, and then you kind of enter back into the relationship pretending nothing happened, all right? Anybody ever have... Anybody ever do that? You know, you and your buds, you and your family members, you know, whatever it was. You wait a few days and pretend nothing happened. And, and, or I had to learn that a loss of motivation was not a reason to give up. A loss of motivation was not a reason to give up. And, and that every person bears the image of God, even, even if they're unlikable to me. They still bear the image of God. These are things that I had to, to learn because, you know, the, the pithy sayings, that I, the, the wisdom that I was given growing up did not, uh, you know, did not lend to these things, right? And maybe you've been there. You know, the things you were so certain of when you were 20, you learned at 30 that they didn't work, that they weren't wise. The things that you learned at 10 or the things that you learned as a teenager, you realized when you grew up and you got your first job that those things don't work, Right? And, and if you didn't learn it, that you've had to live out the consequences of following that bad wisdom, the, the bad wisdom. And listen, anytime we follow bad wisdom, there's going to be consequences that follow behind. But here we see that God is going, just listen to me. Just listen. I've got stuff that's better than that. And so I'm sure all of us, if we had a chance, we would go back to when we were younger and we would do things differently. Would anybody do things differently than you did when you were younger? Yeah, <laughs> Wendy was like the first one to like, bing, you know. If I only knew then what I know now is something that I have said more times than I can count. If I only do, knew then what I know now. But God has given us a pathway to wisdom. It's not difficult. It's, it's not elusive. It's not hard to find. And it's available. It's available to you today. It's available to you right now. How do we start, though? We're going to talk about that first. Real quick, let's pray. God, we praise you, and we love you, and we thank you, because you, are, you aren't just wise. You are wisdom. God, you are awesome, and you want to impart your, the, some of the infinitude of your wisdom to us. God, your children.
so that we can walk in it, so that we can walk in honor, that we can walk God in riches, God, even your word says, so we can walk in understanding. And so we pray that you would open our eyes, open our hearts today. Lord, uh, help us. Let your word be transformational in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're going to start off by reading Proverbs chapter 9, verses 10 through 12. It says this, it says, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. If you become wise, you will be the one to benefit. If you scorn wisdom, you will be the one to suffer. Wow. If you scorn wisdom, you will be the one to suffer. I don't know about you guys, but as a teenager, there were times when somebody gave me wisdom and I scorned it. I did what I thought was better. I did what I thought was right, was wise in my own eyes. And uh, if you remember one thing this morning, just remember this. Wisdom begins with honoring God. Wisdom begins with honoring God. And so when the writer of Proverbs said that the fear of the Lord, here's what I believe, and I'm, I'm no theologian, but when I look into the Greek word that, you know, that are used here, Hebrew words that are used here in Proverbs, when it says the fear of the Lord, I don't think fear is a good word. I don't, I don't think that fear is a good, to say the fear of the Lord, that the word fear is actually a very good translation to what Scripture is intending to say. Because when it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of the wisdom, it is a Hebrew word, yirah, which means loving, hopeful reverence. So when it says the fear of the Lord, it really means the loving, hopeful reverence of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so what it means, it's, it's giving honor where honor is due. It's giving honor where honor is due. It's reverence, it's hope, it's love. And so we probably don't mean to, but we... What we do, when we think about God, a lot of times we project characteristics on God that may or may not be true. And I think we, if we think about it, we'll probably be really honest. We've all thought things about God that were not true. We've all kind of painted pictures in our mind of God that just aren't God. And so sometimes he's the God that we don't pay much attention to, but we cry out to him when we're in a jam. All right? He's... He's the, uh, he's the lifeline God, you know, the who wants to be a millionaire, the lifeline. You know, we're just kind of doing what we want to do, and we're walking through life, and oh, I lost my job. Oh, my heart is broken. Oh, I'm sick. I need a lifeline, and we cry out to God. And sometimes that's kind of how we define God as our, as our lifeline, whether we mean to or not. Most people would never say that. They would never admit that. But that's how they live right? Or he's the God that my friends and I philosophize about. You know, the guys standing around with a beer, and they're usually kind of disrespectful in their familiarity with God. You know, Jesus, my homeboy, or God, oh, he's, he's the violent God, and he's the, of the Old Testament, or he's, you know, we, we kind of talk about God in a way that's uh, disrespectfully familiar, and it wouldn't be considered the fear of the Lord when you see this happening. And maybe you've even been in the circle of people, kind of, you're philosophizing. I don't like that. <laughs> so, that's, not, that's not God. 
or he's the God who gets me into heaven, right? It's the God who gets me into heaven. And, and this is like buying a bus ticket to a destination, sitting at a bus stop waiting, and never knowing when the bus will come, right? And so what happens when you sit there waiting your entire life for the bus to come? You walk away. You get tired of waiting, right? It's no wonder so many people who follow Jesus for an entrance into heaven eventually fall away. But it's all about escaping hell's flames, right? And he's the God who gets me out of hell. Um, eventually, you fall away. But truly honoring God means that we stop trying to define him, and instead, we let him define us. So you think about that for just a minute. What does it mean to really, truly honor God? We stop trying to define him. First of all, we, we, you will never figure him out. His ways are higher than your ways, and I'll talk about that in just a second. But we have to stop trying to define God and let him define us. So that's what the true fear of the Lord looks like. It's to submit and to surrender to him. So what are the things that we're surrendering to? What are we talking about? The first thing is surrender to his will. Surrender to his will. God has a will. God has a desire. He has a plan, right? He's not just up there kind of like, you know, uh, like what you do when you stare at a bunch of ants moving around an anthill going, I wonder what they're doing. Scurrying in and out. Some of them are carrying grains of sand. Maybe I'll just mess it up a little bit and, and see what they do. That's not what God does. He's involved in our lives. And we hate the idea of surrendering to the desires of another, Sort of, especially us as Americans, man, you know, and sometimes I think that could be a good thing or whatever, but we're just sort of like a don't tell me what to do, people. We don't surrender to somebody else's will where it's freedom, right? I'm going to do what I want to do. But in this case, the desire of God is to give you a hope in the future. God's desire is to give you a hope in the future. It's not just trying to, he's not just trying to wrestle you into subservience. That's not our God right? He has a hope and a future for you. He has a will for you. He can be trusted. And it's hard to let go and follow God's plan. But you know what? It's wise, right? It's wisdom, the fear of the Lord, the honoring God. And we honor God by surrendering to his will. And that's wise. That's wise. It's a trust fall, but it's wise. We have to understand that, okay? And so the second thing is, is we surrender to his ways. We surrender to his ways. So not just his will and his desire, but his ways. We do his will his way. And I'll, I'll just admit it. Sometimes God's ways don't make sense to me. It would make sense that his will or his ways don't make sense to me because his ways are higher than my ways, right? Tithe, give 10% of my income, and he'll bless me financially? I don't know. I mean, because the way that I do math is I have 10% less. <laughs> like, and that's math. And you know what, God? That's science, right? <laughs> you know, that's math. But God says, hey, guess what? I'll open up the windows of heaven, and I'll bless you. And so that doesn't, doesn't make sense, but that's his ways. Or forgive others, and God will forgive me. No way. God doesn't know what it's like to have, you know, my girlfriend cheat on me, my husband cheat on me. God doesn't know what it's like, right? So there's no way he's, yeah, I'm not going to forgive and let go. He doesn't understand that, right? Forgive others and God will forgive me. Turn the other cheek, what? 
That's crazy talk. That's crazy talk. We're Rambo people. We don't turn the other cheek. We, we're your worst nightmare, you know. <laughs> that's, that's what we do, right? Or seek first the kingdom. No, I don't want to seek first the kingdom. I want to seek first my career. I want to build my own kingdom. That's what I'm going to seek first. But God says to seek first the kingdom. But Isaiah chapter 5, verses 8 and 9 says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. I love that. So God is saying, listen, my ways, you, can't, you will never even figure it out. They're beyond what you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Right? Do you think that the ants scurrying around on the hill have any idea what you're doing up there? I don't think so. And I, I'm not saying that we're as ants. God loves us way more than ants, right? Or, or than we love ants, I should say. Okay? We may not understand why his ways are better, but we can have the confidence that they are. You know, I think a lot of times we struggle to believe what we don't understand. And so what we like to do is like we try to understand so that we can believe. But in God's economy, it's not understand so that you can believe. It's believe so that you can understand. And so we get that backwards all the time. And so God is saying, listen, believe and the understanding will come. Don't try to understand and then believe. And so we do that with a lot of these areas. We do that with tithing. We don't understand, so we don't believe. But listen, we've got to believe and understand. We have to forgive, believe, trust God, and understand. We have to surrender, and then we'll understand later. We need to seek first the kingdom. So believe so that you can understand. Don't try to understand so that you can believe. And that's called faith, right? And the last thing is this, and I think this is, believe it or not, this is probably the hardest part, is surrender to his blessings. Surrender to his blessings. Sometimes it's hard. I don't know why this one is so hard for us. And maybe it's because we fall short of the first two, right? But God's love for you is so beyond comprehension. His love is so much greater than your love. Again, we try to put our, our own... Uh, uh, our own characteristics on God. We know that there's limitations to our love, and so we think that God loves that like we do. God's love is so far beyond your comprehension, my comprehension, our collective comprehension. God's love is so, 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 so amazing. And so surrender to his blessings. He wants to give you wisdom. Did you know that? I just said it earlier. You weren't listening. He wants to give you wisdom. He wants you to experience his presence, his peace, his joy. You know, we had such an amazing time here Sunday night, our, our Holy Spirit night. It was off the hizzy, right? And I got that word out of the Bible, hizzy. It means hook. And uh, it was off the hook. It was amazing. And it, we just got to enjoy God's presence. And it was just one of those moments where God just comes in and he just kind of breaks down all of our arguments for why he can't bless us, right? He breaks down all of, his, all of our own arguments why we're unlovable. And God just comes in and blesses and touches. We had such an amazing time. Why? Because he wants to. He wants to. He's a good father. He's a good father. 
And just like I want my children to have wisdom, like almost more than anything, I want my kids to be wise. I want them to be wise. All three of you boys are in here. I want you to be wise, right? And God wants us to be wise. Why do I want you to be wise? Is it so that you'll behave? No, it's so that you'll be blessed. So that you'll be blessed. And so God wants us to experience his presence, his peace, and his joy. When was the last time? Here's a question that a friend of mine posed a while back and got me thinking. And it's, when was the last time you asked, God, what do you think of me? God, what do you think of me? And if we know God at all, we know that he's going to say, I love you like crazy. When was the last time you said, God, what do you think of me? Just so that you can hear him say, I love you. Just so that you can hear him say, I love you. And you know what? If you have any other answer than that, then you're not seeing God the right way. Right? If you're, if you're asking God, what do you think of me? So that God can, so that, you know, you're afraid to ask that because you're afraid God's just going to point out all your flaws. so sad. I'm so sad for you. I'm so sad for you because that's not how God sees you. Right? Because what does Paul the Apostle say? That God sees us now as righteous? As holy? I mean, that's a, that's crazy talk. <laughs> right? That's crazy talk. But God doesn't see you the way that you see you. God doesn't see you the way that you see you. And so when we ask, God, what do you think of me? Right? He wants to bless you with that answer. He wants to tell you he loves you. Oh, it's so important. You know what? Let's just pause for a second. Let's pause. And before we finish this message, I just want to pause and let you answer that question. And just give God 60 seconds to tell you that he loves you. Is that okay? All right. I'm going to pause. I'm going to shut up. And so I want you to ask God, what do you think of me? God, what do you think of me? feel like you heard God tell you that he loved you. Yeah. 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 God, what do you think of me? So surrender to his blessings. Surrender to his love, right? And, and you know, gosh, <laughs> when was the last time you went to him like a child? Do you remember when you were a child and you would go to your mom or dad and ask for something? Right? I, I did. I wanted a fuzzy, pumper, Play-Doh uh, haircut gallery. I wanted the one, yeah, where you, 
you, the per, little person was almost like a cup with little holes at the top. And you put them on the chair and you pump the thing, you crank the thing and the hair grows out of the person and you get to cut their hair. That's what I want. I remember asking my mom for that. You know, I finally got it when I was 47. So <laughs> it took a while, but I got it. You know, it's okay to go to God and ask for things. He's our father. He's our father. You know, uh, you know I say it every once in a while here. I say it, don't, you know, don't wrestle just, come on, Kathy. Don't wrestle just nestle. Don't wrestle just nestle, right? Just, just just nestle in his arms. Don't wrestle. We love to fight God on his blessings because we, all of a sudden, we look and we see all of our flaws when we want to go and ask God for blessings. We see all of our flaws, and God doesn't see that, right? It's wisdom to accept his blessings. Don't wrestle, just nestle. Receive what he has for you. And so, as we close today, I want to challenge you to examine your fear of the Lord, your honor, your reverence, your, your love, your loving reverence, okay? Your loving, hopeful reverence. That's the fear of the Lord. I want to challenge you to examine that today. Do, do you lovingly honor and trust God? Do you lovingly honor and trust Him? Or do you feel like those are things for other people that have it more together? Do you lovingly honor and trust Him? In our friendship with God, our love for him is measured in obedience, right? You look at the conversation that Jesus had with the apostle Peter. And he asked Peter, what? Do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter says, of course. And what does Jesus say? Feed my sheep. Do what I tell you to do. Do you love me? Then do what I'm telling you to do. Our love for him is measured by our obedience for, our obedience towards him. And so, you know, surrender to his ways. Surrender to his will, okay? So do you need to go before him? Do you need to repent? You know, maybe today is a good day of repentance for you. Maybe, it's a, maybe today is a good day for going, God, I just repent of doing things my way. God, I just repent for resisting your will. God, I repent for resisting your ways. God, I repent, and uh, I want to trust you. I want to live in greater trust and greater, uh, greater obedience to you, and I don't want to fight you on your blessings either, because, you know, all these things come together. You know, I, God is not like the a la carte God, right? You know? Okay, I'm going to go through the, the Jesus buffet, and I'm going to take some of the blessing, but I'm not going to kind of walk in his ways, and I'm going to take the healing, but you know what? The relationships I'm taking control of, and I'm not giving them to him. You know, I'm going to take some, I'm going to, like, it's not, it's not multiple choices, you know. But when we learn to, to give it all to him, all to him, the good, the bad, and the ugly, we begin to walk in wisdom, and we begin to understand his blessing, and we walk in joy, and we walk in understanding. And we, when we repent and we surrender, those are good things. Those are good things. So let me just go ahead and pray. And worship team, if you want to come. That is great. And uh, let me pray. Uh, God, we need you. We love you. We need your wisdom in greater measure in our lives. And your word says that wisdom is crying out. 
Wisdom is see, it, it wants to be found. And so, God, today we, uh, we receive that. We accept that. We want to walk in wisdom. We want to surrender to your will and surrender to your ways and to surrender to your blessings, God. Oh, God, we love you so much. We love you so much. God, God forgive us for not walking in wisdom. Forgive us, God, for kind of walking in our own wisdom and, and insisting on doing things our way. God, we need you, and we need your wisdom. God, be glorified. Help us to grow in that. In Jesus' name.